Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. My name is David Baker, and I have the privilege of being your host. And uh, today we're going to do something different. We're going to take a video talking about a subject and go through it and see if we can bring some clarity. Uh, it is from a guy named Todd Friel. Uh, Todd, I looked him up, former comedian. I like him. He's a funny guy. And uh, we agree on a lot of things. He just did a good um, lesson on uh, divorce. I thought that was very good. And a lot of the things he teaches, I agree on. He challenges me to think. Um, there are many things we disagree on, and this is one of them. But um, I will probably disagree with him and most of the fundamental brethren on this. But I'd like you to give it a listen and logic and think and go through um, this topic. We're going to talk about where Jesus went after he died. Um, he mentions in here a couple charismatic guys, uh, Kenneth Copeland. I've never listened to him. Uh, the other guy, Todd, somebody, I don't even know who he is. Um, this study came from me after I graduated from Bible college. I was a youth pastor um, at a big church. Everyone listening would know the name of the church and the pastor. And I was the youth pastor there. I mentioned something like I'd heard my pastor say that um, after Jesus died, he dipped his soul in hell and then resurrected. And I'd mentioned that. Um, teenager took it to their parents. Parents took it to the pastor and I got in trouble. And it just bothered me because what I had been taught just did not seem to sit right. And so uh, I spent hour after hour in study and prayer, uh, looking at all the scriptures, asking God to show me to make sense of it. And I believe he has, and I believe it's a lot more simple than we give it credit. Um, but this is something that has been taught for a long, long time, and I think it's very simple for the explanation. So um, what we're going to do is uh, I'll stop it every once in a while and talk about certain things and go through what I think. And feel free, if you have a question uh, about it, you can email me at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com, and I'd be glad to take any questions from you that you have, okay? So uh, I'm going to let this play for a while and jump in every once in a while, and I uh, hope it will be uh, a help and will cause you to think. Here we go. 
He says, go to hell between Good Friday and Easter, his body. By the way, Good Friday, that's another thing we'll have to uh, help Todd with sometime. Um, But uh, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he could not have been crucified on Good Friday. He laid in a tomb for three days. Where was his spirit? Let's go back in time. Listen very carefully to that. He gets a couple things right. His body was in the tomb. Where did his spirit go? And then what about his soul? I'm early church days. A pretty significant number of folks within the Christian faith thought Christ descended into hell for the purpose of ministering to or liberating souls that were in Hades. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. It's an early confession that we want to pay attention to, but we must remember even confessions of faith must be subjected to the authority of Scripture, not the other way around. So just like any other statement or claim, the Apostles' Creed is held captive to the truth of the Bible. So let's take a look at it, shall we? Verse number one, Luke 23, when Jesus is on the cross, he tells the thief next to him, I say to you, today, 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 it was today, you will be with me in paradise. That. By the way, another thing we need to help Todd with is the King James Bible issue. Maybe one day we can help him with that. Uh, We would disagree on that, but we continue. Crystal clear. And it makes it pretty difficult to say that Jesus could also be in hell that day after his death. Verse number two, 1 Peter 3, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Here it comes. In which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison who were once disobedient. This is important. When the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. That verse That would be the clobber verse of people who believe that Jesus descended into hell. But is that what Peter is actually teaching? I'm going to go with no. And it has to do with that little addendum at the end of those verses concerning Noah. Peter is not saying Jesus at the time of his death went and proclaimed a message to the disobedient in prison. Instead, Peter's making it clear that Christ, through Noah, in the 120 years preceding the flood, it was a big boat. It took a little while to build it. Ask Ken Ham. He was proclaiming the message of repentance, which the people at the time of Noah disobeyed. And those disobedient ones are now in prison. So rather than being a statement about the location of Jesus' spirit between death and resurrection, it's just a teaching about Christ's message of repentance being preached through Noah in his time. Wow. Uh, I'll get into that and we'll talk about the verses, but do you see the mental gymnastics you have to go through to try to explain away a verse that in the Bible is really clear about what Jesus did? And we'll look at it when we read it, but I want you to remember this, a mental gymnastics that it wasn't Jesus that preached to the spirits that were disobedient. It was Jesus that preached through Noah for 120 years. That, that is not what the Bible says. We'll, uh, we'll show you that. 
Verse number three, super important to apply the analogy of Scripture. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's crystal clear. Now let's tackle Ephesians 4. This is a biggie. It's a citation from Psalm 68. It says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Paul doesn't stop there. He continues. Now this expression He ascended. What does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? Does that mean hell? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Got to admit, at first blush, it appears that Paul is saying that Jesus descended into hell, but it could simply mean the grave. Furthermore, this leading of captives, are those the souls that he rescued from hell? Me don't think so. Perhaps Paul is alluding to the great resurrection, Jesus being the first fruits. Furthermore, the captives that Jesus would have led away into heaven, if those were souls redeemed from hell that are carried by Jesus, then this is an event that isn't discussed anywhere in the Bible, and it's kind of a biggie, and it would have. But By the way, I agree with him on that. We'll talk about it, but from when I was a child growing up in church, that's what was taught um, by that one verse, and that would be, like he said, a very big thing that these people, everyone that died before Christ is in Hades hell, um, a paradise side. We'll go through that in a minute. And that they were led captive. They couldn't go to heaven until Jesus died on the cross. Um, It just didn't make sense. It's not anywhere throughout the Bible. And that would be a big thing. And I agree uh, with Todd. That is not what that is teaching, but that's what is taught by many people. If the captives that Jesus holds captive during his ascension are perhaps the forces that he has defeated with his salvific work in his life, his death, his resurrection, then we can understand Jesus is returning to heaven triumphant over death, evil, sin, and Satan. One last note, if Jesus took people out of hell, um, the implications of that are a big problem. Did they have faith? Does this mean that they got saved in hell. What about the eternality of hell when Jesus said, when you go there, the key is locking the door and you ain't going anywhere. So to understand that Jesus went to hell to rescue unbelievers, it's just loaded with litter. Number four, by the way, I've never heard anyone teach that Jesus went to hell and led people to Christ that weren't saved and then went to heaven. Um, I've not heard anybody believe that, nor do I believe that. Uh, when you're in hell, <laughs> it's the point of man, once that I and after this a judgment, you're not able to get out of there to be saved. In fairness, this is a potential problem for the view that Jesus didn't descend into hell. But let's tackle it. John 20, 17, Jesus tells Mary Magdalene, that he has not yet ascended to the Father. Hmm, that sounds like Jesus had not yet ascended to heaven, but that would be a lie if Jesus were indeed in paradise on that day. What do we do with this? We remember our clear verse, and we, we can reasonably say that Jesus is saying he is not yet physically 
ascended as the Son of Man to sit at the right hand of the Father. Physically, Jesus' body was in the tomb for three days. Spiritually, Jesus had gone back to be with the Father in heaven. And finally, 40 days after his resurrection, he would ascend physically, both body and spirit, to the Father in heaven. We must let the clear interpret the unclear. Finally, verse number five, and this one's pretty definitive, John chapter 19. And this is where we got to be super careful because you can end up in heresy land if you biff it on this one. There are preachers who jump across the line of orthodoxy when they claim that Jesus went to hell for the purpose of paying for our sins. He was made sin. Now he's in the pit of hell. He's down there. He's in there. He pays a price for us to be made right with God. Jesus goes to hell, I believe. He went to Hades, he went down and descended into the depths of the earth for three days, and he pays for the sin of mankind. There's just one really heretical problem with that. Before bowing his head and giving up his spirit, Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, it is finished. His salvific atoning work was done, complete, paid in full with his death on the cross. There's nothing else that Jesus had to do in order to save his sheep from God's wrath. That means Jesus did not need to continue his atoning work after his death by going to hell. So on the one hand, it's not heretical to believe that Jesus descended into hell prior to his resurrection. I disagree, but you can hold that position and still be orthodox. But it is absolutely heretical to believe that Jesus went to hell to complete the atoning work he said was tetelestai. So he said tetelestai, it is finished, but I disagree. And Todd, I would love for you to be able to look at this. That statement you made that said there's nothing else he needed to do after he died on the cross. Um, what if he never rose from the dead? What if Jesus is still in that tomb? What if he never rose? What if he never ascended? We'll talk about in Hebrews 9 what else the Bible says. When Jesus died on the cross, it is finished. What? The suffering on the cross that I have to do is complete. It's done. And he gave up the ghost. That is done. But did Jesus have to do anything else? Yes. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It was not just the death on the cross. The same way with the lamb. We'll talk more about that. But the lamb could not just be killed. The lamb blood had to be shed and the blood had to be applied on the side and top of the door. It wasn't just enough to kill the lamb and Jesus is the picture of that. So Todd, I would love for you to look at that honestly and say, okay, yeah, there is more that needs to be done. It's not just the death of Jesus on the cross. He did have to die and be buried and rise from the dead. If Jesus never rose from the dead, then we would not have and we would not be able to be saved. In conclusion, whether you wrongly believe, sorry, cheap shot, that Jesus went to hell, or you rightly, another cheap shot, believe that Jesus went to heaven. We don't have to part company. But it is a big worry, meaning false belief. If you believe Jesus suffered in hell, please run away from anybody who teaches that. 
So how much did Jesus suffer in hell? I have no idea. The Bible doesn't say, but I want to go through some things. So let me explain to you what I was taught and how I got started on this thing. So uh, there's a few pictures uh, we'll pull up and let you see that. Um, and to be able to see, uh, this is what was taught. Southern Baptist, this was Baptist, this was everywhere uh, around that um, that the when the People that were saved before Christ died, they went here to the Sheol, Hades, um, and there were two sides of Hades, one for the saved side called paradise and one for the unsaved uh, called hell. And so Old Testament saints, Sheol, Hades, then the wicked were there and the righteous, there's a division. So that's one uh, picture showing that. And uh, here's another one, um, and it says the body goes to the grave, the soul goes to Hades. Compartment, Luke 16, for the saved, called Abraham's bosom. There's a great gulf fixed and a compartment for the unsaved, place of torment. Hades prior to the resurrection, okay? Uh, Hades, Sheol, by the way, I like Billy Sunday. He said, call it Hades, Sheol, hell, it's all hell to me. Uh, and I believe it is. We don't like to say it's in hell, so we use the Greek or the Hebrew words instead, but it's still hell. Um, and that's what it is. Let me just show you one more. And again, this is what was taught. So uh, this graphic that people went, there's this great gulf, it said, but there's a paradise side and the place of torment side um, where they went. This is in the earth. And then, of course, a resurrection took place. So there's a whole bunch of, um, of these out there that um, are there to show, quote, what happened. Uh, but again, they don't uh, explain that. Paradise, Lazarus, Jesus on the cross, thief, body dies, the spirit goes either to paradise um, side of hell or the hell side of hell. Um, and then after that, the resurrection. So again, all these pictures are to show that, but it just does not seem to be true or biblical or right in that. So let me go to the crux of it and where we get that from. I believe the biggest problem is we do not understand that we are a trichotomy, that we are three in one, okay? A lot of people believe that we're a dichotomy. We're just body and spirit or body and soul. But First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, "...and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly." Not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, your whole part. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we do not understand the trichotomy that we're made three in one, like God's made three in one, we're made in his image, okay? Body, soul, and spirit. If we don't understand that, then we're not gonna understand this. If we understand a trichotomy, honestly, this is simple and I'm amazed that so many people have a problem with this because when you look at the scriptures, it is very simple and it's logical and it makes sense, okay? So we know the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter five. And so when someone dies, their body goes in the grave, they're their soul and spirit go to heaven. We know that. We all understand that and believe that. They do not get their glorified body until the resurrection. Only Jesus is the firstborn to have a glorified body. They're waiting for, groaning, waiting for the adoption of the body. They're in heaven with soul and spirit, but not their body yet. That is coming. And so when Jesus died on the cross, very simply, where did his spirit go? Where did his spirit go? 
Okay, like Todd said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Where's paradise? Paradise is in heaven. Okay, we'll show you some verses later. Uh, paradise is in heaven. Where did Jesus go? So Luke 23, verse 46, it says very simply, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So when he was on the cross, his spirit went to heaven. To the Father, I commend my spirit. The spirit went to heaven. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Very simply, very done. Okay? Today, immediately when Jesus died, his spirit went to heaven. This is what happens when people try to make this fit. They say, okay, if today went to paradise, then paradise must be in the heart of the earth. And that's what they try to do. And they don't understand very simply this trichotomy. Where did his body go? Everyone would agree. No one would disagree. His body went in the tomb. Not heaven. Not hell and not in the heart of the earth, his body went to the tomb. Uh, Matthew 25, 40, uh, 59, and 60, and when Joseph had taken his body, he wrapped it in a linen cloth, he laid it in uh, his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone in front of the sepulcher and departed. I've been in the garden tomb. It's not in the heart of the earth. It's not even really in the earth. It's in the side of a mountain, the side of a wall. It was dug out of there. No one would say it was hell or the heart of the earth. Not at all. His body was in the tomb. We all agree there. So his spirit, where was it? Paradise, the father today. His body, where did it go? And Joseph in the tomb, his soul. Where did his soul go? We never address that. Todd didn't address that. Most other people don't. But it is very biblical, and Todd didn't use these verses at all. Where did his soul go? Psalm 16.10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Holy One, Jesus Christ, prophetic, Psalm 16, Messianic Psalm, the Holy One, capitalized, that's Jesus Christ. His body did not see corruption. Three days and three nights, his body did not deteriorate, okay? His body didn't see corruption, and his soul was not left in hell. Excuse me, if it's not going to be left in hell, then where did it have to be? It had to be in hell. Acts chapter 2, 27, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Okay? Again, same thing. You're not going to leave his soul in hell. His spirit, where did it go? Heaven, paradise, the Father that day. Where did his body go? In the tomb. Very simply, where did his soul go? In hell. Matthew 12 also wasn't addressed, but very simple. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights where? In the heart of the earth. And so for Todd, you say, okay, Jesus, I agree, his spirit was in heaven, so it couldn't be in hell at the same time. Oh, yes, it could be if his soul was in hell and his spirit was in heaven and his body was in the tomb. Done. Very simple. The heart of the earth, his soul was be, would be in the heart of the earth. By the way, to address this, since we're at this verse, did Jesus suffer when he was in hell? I don't know, but my question is, how do you pay for our hell without going to hell, without suffering from that? For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, did Jonah suffer in the whale's belly? What was the smell like? What was the acid? What was the skin? What was the burning like when he was in that whale's belly? For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So shall as Jonas. And so could we take that verse to say Jesus suffered um, and was in pain? I believe we can because it was. And we'll give you another one there in a minute. So uh, the heart of the earth was where he was. So when people say that 
in the heart of the earth, there's Hades and there's a save part um, called paradise. Wow. Not quite what I would think would be paradise. Um, by the way, when you look at paradise, looked at every verse in the Bible that talks about paradise, um, it, you don't get um, anything to do with hell. Uh, Luke 23, be with me in paradise, Father, and I commend into my hands, I commend my spirit. Uh, Paul was caught up into paradise and then revelation in the midst of the paradise of God. Every time you find paradise in the Bible, you find it up in heaven. What they say is paradise moved from the heart of the earth to heaven. Uh, there's no scripture there for that at all. And so... Um, and so where Jesus had died and his body went in the tomb, soul was in hell and then spirit was in heaven. And so the verses of 1 Peter chapter 3, very simple. Listen to the Bible when it says not mental gymnastics to try to make it fit what we believe. 1 Peter 3.19, by which also he, he is in Jesus, he's the antecedent, went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Who went and preached? He, not Noah. Okay, um, not Noah, uh, which sometime were disobedient. So who did he preach to? The spirits that were disobedient, the unsaved people that Noah did preach to, the preacher of righteousness for 120 years, Noah preached to them. Jesus went to hell, not to leave his soul in hell, but preached to the spirits that were disobedient. What did he preach to them? I'm Messiah. I'm the one Noah preached about that you rejected. Preach to them. How many souls were there? Millions, billions, we're talking about a couple thousand years of the earth, people living 900 years, having children and children and children. How many millions of people were there? And Noah preached to them and they rejected him. And Jesus went and preached and said, I'm Messiah. I'm the one you rejected. I'm the one you rejected. Didn't say they got saved. They couldn't. They're already there. Which sometime were disobedient when once a long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing were as few that his eight souls were saved by water. It, to do the mental gymnastics that Jesus preached through Noah, that's not what it said. When he, that antecedent is Christ, preached to the spirits in prison which were disobedient. That's who he preached to. I've heard people say, oh, he preached to the saved people. In three days, we're getting out of here. In three days, we're going to heaven. <laughs> Where do you get that? That's not in the Bible at all. That's what some people preach because say because he preached uh, when he was there. Who did he preach to? The spirits that were disobedient. He didn't preach to the saved people. Nothing about that. He preached to the spirits that were disobedient. I'd like for you sometime to read Luke 16. I'm going to talk about this, but go read Luke 16 and see if what you pictured, what they explained, Hades, paradise, and hell together in one place with a gulf water in between it where you couldn't cross over. See if Luke 16 makes sense with that. Okay. Verse 22, and it came to pass the beggar died and was carried... By the, where? Angels. Where do angels go? Into Abraham's bosom. Does that make sense? The angels carried <laughs> the beggar, Lazarus, where? Down into the depths of the earth, into Hades? That doesn't fit that scripture. Carried by the angels. Um, look up any other time the angels ever went anywhere and carried anyone there. Hey, it's up into heaven. Carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom was not in the heart of the earth. The rich man also died and was buried. Okay, so Lazarus carried by the angels, the rich man died and was buried. Different direction they went, verse 23. And in hell, he, the rich man, lift over his eyes past this gulf? No, lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham what? Over this river? No, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Also, verse 26, and says, besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed 
so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Um, this great gulf, yeah, that's from the heart of the earth up into heaven. That's a great gulf fix. It's not in the heart of the earth, hey, there's the unsaved guys, hey, there's the saved guys, and there's a, a big river between the two. Uh, this great gulf, that gulf does not mean a, a body of water. It's a great gulf. It's a span between them. Uh, it just doesn't make sense at all. And if you had not heard somebody else teach that, you wouldn't read this and and think that. Okay. And so um, understanding where paradise is, it's always mentioned in the Bible. Now, Ephesians chapter four, this is where people can get confused at because it says he descended and ascended. So wherefore he saith, this is um, Ephesians 4, 8, wherefore he saith, he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, did he ascend up on high? Yeah, first he descended, then he ascended up on high, led captivity captive. Who is captivity? When you look up, and I've looked up every verse, the Bible talks about captivity. The Old Testament is filled with Israelites in captivity, but in the New Testament, we don't see it often. Romans 7, captivity and the law of sin. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, talking about bringing into captivity every thought, but there is not a explanation of this captivity. Um, you don't find it in the Bible. Every say person was in the heart of the earth and they were led captive. What was said is that they couldn't go to heaven yet because Jesus didn't die on the cross. I don't buy that. I don't believe that. Well, they couldn't go there because their sins weren't forgiven yet because Jesus didn't die. Wait, the Bible said Jesus died before when? The foundation of the world. And if the people who died, their souls couldn't go to heaven yet, then because they were souls were sinful, their sins weren't forgiven. What in the world is Enoch and Elijah in a human, physical, sinful body doing in heaven? Okay, that just doesn't make sense. If Elijah and Enoch could be in heaven in a human, physical, sinful body, then surely the souls of Abraham and Moses and all the prophets and people who trust the Messiah, surely their souls were able to go uh, to heaven. So what does that mean? Wherefore he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but he first um, he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Again, where did Jesus go? Into the lower parts of the earth, the heart of the earth, three days and three nights. That's true. He that descended is the same that ascended up far above heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So where do those verses say he led people that were in soul, uh, that were in Hades, led them to heaven? Where did it say that? Somehow we put all that together. What do we know by that passage? Jesus first ascended, and then he ascended up on high, and he led captivity captive, um, and he gave gifts to the children of men. Gave gifts to the children of men, that's very simple. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and he gave us the Comforter, he gave us the gifts of the Spirit, and so very simple that. Um, but led captivity captive, what was that? What could that? Todd gave something, captivity could be death and hell and the grave, the victory, it could be that. Um, just looking at it, reading without some Southern Baptist theologian there, to me, very simply, that when he descended, then he ascended, when he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat, we'll talk about that in a minute, and by all that, he can now release us from this spiritual captivity and give gifts of the Holy Spirit and pastors and teachers and the gifts of the Spirit to us and lead us from spiritual captivity. Could you imagine? We live on this earth in a human, physical, fleshly body, but we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us to dwell in us, to teach us all things, to remind us of all things, and to speak of Jesus. Imagine living on this earth without having the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. 
Could you say you were in captivity? When he gave gifts to the children of men, he led captivity captive. I think spiritually, that's being spiritually captive. Now we have the Holy Spirit of God sealed in us to the day of redemption. Okay, You can disagree with what I think captivity might be, and that's fine. But I don't believe you can prove from the scriptures that people who died before Jesus were in captivity. What would that be? And they couldn't go to heaven until Jesus died on the cross when he died on the cross before the foundation of the world and Enoch and Elijah are already into heaven. Okay. Now, I want to talk about that ascended and what he did and also what Tom talked about, that Jesus didn't have to do anything else when he died on the cross. It is finished. Yes, the physical suffering on the cross was done, but he still had to die, be buried, and rise again. And this, Hebrews 9, 11, I'm going to skip around. You can read the whole passage, but Hebrews 9, 11, but Christ being come and high priest of the good things to come. Remember when he met Mary Magdalene and he said, touch me not for I've not yet ascended to my father. And I believe Todd um, got that right, that physically he had not yet ascended to the father. His spirit did. Father, unto thee I commit my spirit, but his body and soul and spirit had not. And he said, touch me not. Why? Why? Why don't touch me? Because he's a high priest and he had been cleansed by the labor and he was going to take his blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat in heaven. He's a high priest. No one could touch the high priest from the time they were cleansed from the labor till they went into the Holy of Holies to take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Touch me not. Now, Right after that, he came down and met with the disciples, and they put his, uh, their fingers in his hand and his hand in his side. He was allowed to be touched right after that, not after he ascended. And so what happened? He went to heaven as the high priest, as Hebrews 9 says, um, with his blood to sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Now he went physically after resurrected. So high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by, here it is, his own blood, his own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, listen, it's really important, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so what Jesus did in taking his blood to atone, to forgive, to cover our sins. Skip down to verse 22 for time. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. So he couldn't have just died on the cross. And the blood of that lamb couldn't just be in a basin. It had to be applied. If that death angel did not see the blood applied to the, uh, to the uh, side and top of the door, then that death angel would have killed that firstborn. Um, Verse 23, it was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, that tabernacle, that temple down here, which are figures of the true. They're a figure. The temple and tabernacle that were built, the Holy of Holies, um, uh, all of that was a picture, a figure of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. How long did Jesus suffer? Okay, But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away the sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
the, every year, the blood that the high priest had to take into the Holy of Holies every year? No more. Now once, Jesus did. Verse 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this a judgment. Verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So very simply, we're almost done. I want you to hear this last part of this. Jesus very simply took his blood after he died on the cross as the high priest, Mary touch me not, ascended up into heaven to put the blood on the mercy seat to cover our sin once for all. The veil of the temple was rent and they had no more sacrifice to do because they were a figure or a picture of Jesus to come. He came, he was that perfect lamb, he was a perfect sacrifice and the blood is sprinkled in heaven. One other little thought here that I haven't heard anyone talk about. So Jesus is a lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, right? We all agree with that. Jesus, that lamb had to be male. It had to be spotless without blemish. That's Jesus, okay? After that lamb was killed, the blood was shed. The blood was applied. We know all that, and that had to be done. Then what happened to the lamb? What happened to the lamb? The lamb was what? The lamb was burned. Burnt offering. The lamb was burned. And that lamb was to represent what? Christ. And that burnt offering was to represent what? Uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> okay. All those pictures to represent the male, lamb, spotless, the blood, apply, all those things. But yet the burning of the lamb represented nothing. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Did Jesus burn in hell? I don't know. Did he suffer in hell? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It's not clear on it. But as Jonah was in the belly of the whale and the picture of the lamb that was slain was burned, I think we can understand very simply the spirit went to heaven. The body went to the tomb. The soul, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, went to hell. Preached to the spirits that were disobedient during the days of Noah, I am Messiah that you rejected. And then ascended up into heaven, took his blood to the mercy seat, gave gifts to us, led spiritual captivity uh, free. We have the Holy Spirit of God now. We have the gifts of the Spirit now. We have um, the pastors and teachers to be able to help us, all those things. So take a thought on that. If I'm a heretic, <laughs> go ahead. Man, he is a heretic. But I would very simply ask you the questions, and I'm done. Where did his spirit go? Paradise, the Father. Where did his body go? The tomb. And where did his soul go? Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. I believe those things are pretty simple when you can understand the trichotomy. Okay. Hey, Todd, what do you think? Uh, give me a shout back. And uh, anybody else listening to this, let me know what you think on this. Hopefully this could be a help uh, to you and us to be able to understand scripture. And why is this important? Lastly, and I'm done. I think if we could understand how much pain and hurt and suffering we cause Christ, we would serve him more. When Jesus asked the disciples, uh, to whom will love me the most? Said, well, the one to whom you forgave the most. If we can understand how much pain, how much hurt, how much suffering we cause Jesus, it wasn't the Romans that put him on the cross. It wasn't the Jews that put him on the cross. As we know, it was us. It was our sin. It was me. If I had been the only person on the face of the earth, he would have come and died for me. The more I could realize the hurt and the pain and the suffering that he went through for me, the more that I love him. How much more did we love our mom after we saw our wives go through the pain and suffering to give us a child to realize what our mom went through for us? If we could realize more of what Christ went through for us, how much he suffered for us, 
I think we will love him more. And I don't think that's heresy. Hey, God bless. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. 